What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio. And this is episode number nine, Heather Goodwin, how losing 300 pounds allowed her to gain a new lease on life. When it's dinner time, I got something you should try. It's crunchy, green, and yummy, and it's about to blow your mind. It's low on calories, and it looks like many trees when you're having dinner with me. Broccoli. Dr. Yami Kazorla Lancaster, board certified pediatrician, certified food for life cooking and nutrition instructor, certified well coach, and passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant based nutrition, habit formation, behavior change, and motivation so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you keep coming back as a regular listener. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Heather, welcome so much to Veggie Doctor Radio. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Listeners, today we have Heather Goodwin, who lives in Portland, Oregon. And Heather has a YouTube channel called The Butterfly Effect plant-based weight loss. And she has lost over 300 pounds with a plant-based diet using her mind and her habits. And she has an incredible story, extraordinary determination, and just a beautiful display of persistence and patience. Patience, definitely one of the things that I want to learn from her. Heather, would you like to tell us about your story and how you've come to lose over 300 pounds? Sure. Um, so as, I've, as a lot of people, I was a chubby baby. You know, I think I was born my ideal weight, and that's the last time I ever saw it until, re- you know, until very recently. Um, and so, you know, it makes for a really cute baby and a sweet little toddler, little chunk, you know, but 
by the time I got to elementary school, it was really starting to affect my life and my self-esteem. And I got, you know, bullied and um, teased and went through pretty lonely um, times because of always feeling like my identity was the fattest girl in school. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of the reality for me. And for years, whenever I would walk into a room, I was the fattest person I would ever find there. Um, and th that's just all of those things um, made it be that my like one coping mechanism was to eat. So if somebody called you a name at school, go home and have three bologna and cheese sandwiches while you watch Gilligan's Island, you know, um, and ho-hos never talk back and <laughs> ice cream is always your friend. And um, I learned that as a coping technique to, to comfort myself, but just like everybody else in the world, we also use food to celebrate. We also use food um, to say, this is something special I did for you. You know, and so I learned that my parents were great cooks. My mom was a really good Southern cook, um, made all the great comfort food. My dad was kind of a gourmet cook and um, made really good enchiladas and, <laughs> and stuff. And, you know, they fed me what they thought was a very healthy diet. They were, they grew up hearing about the, the four, you know, four food groups and a square meal and um, my mom ironically grew up eating a lot of plant-based food because she was very, you know, they were very, um, she grew up in poverty. Mm -hmm. And so they ate a lot of beans and a lot of oatmeal and a lot of um, rice and, and corn and things like that. And she thought that she was giving us like primo food by giving us steak and fried chicken and, and all the kinds of things that she felt like she missed out on. And same thing with my dad, like, you know, big steak, baked potato with butter and sour cream and a salad drowned, you know, iceberg lettuce salad drowned in some blue cheese dressing was his idea of heaven, you know, followed by brownies and ice cream. Mm -hmm. And so what was odd to them was that they stayed thin. They were both, you know, normal weight people. And my dad was really athletic. And um, so they all stayed fine and, and their daughters, my sister also, um, weren't like we were, we were chubbing up and they were baffled. They didn't know how to help us. Um, and so anyway, that's, that's kind of my reality. And then it just, it just got worse. You know, I, I was a single mom. Um, my kids were two weeks old and two years old when I decided that it wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to stay with their dad. That was kind of like an emergency situation. We had to get mm -hmm. out. And so that was some very fine planning on my part, but, um, that beca food became a way to like nurture myself and make myself feel better because I was overwhelmed and overworked and just outnumbered by these cute little people. <laughs> and so in my 20s, I got, you know, over 200 pounds, and by my 30s, I was in the 300s, and when I got to my 40s and I was up over 400 pounds, I just thought, my goose is cooked. Like, I was losing um, so much of my health, and I didn't know if I would ever be able to get back, being very honest with you, because I've been either on a diet or 
um, breaking a diet, having that mentality, I'm either on the diet or off the diet. Um, but since I was 11, my, my sweet parents uh, for Christmas when I was 11 gave me Richard Simmons' Never Say Diet book as like a Christmas <laughs> Great Christmas present for an 11-year-old. But, um, you know, what they were trying to say is they love me and they're worried about me and they don't know how to help me. So maybe Richard Simmons can help me, right? Mm -hmm. He's helped a lot of people. Um, and Richard Simmons helped me. You know, everything I tried helped for a little while. Um, I, I, uh, lost 11 pounds, you know, when I was 11 years old, I remember it cause I was very significant. I was 11. Um, <laughs> and then all, all through my life, I've lost significant amounts of weight. Like I, this is the third time I've taken off over a hundred pounds. And before that I had taken off between 40 and 80 pounds, you know, at least 10 times. So it's just when you have such a huge amount of weight, you lose you it's easy to lose steam or get to get discouraged or it's hard to maintain those habits over time mm -hmm. and I really found that I couldn't just do it by willpower alone I really had to significantly change what I would say to myself and how and the habits I would have and so that's one of the reasons I love coming on your podcast because I really do feel like that's the only thing that that does help a person change long term. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like one of the earliest habits that you learned really was to soothe yourself with food. And that became a very, very strong ingrained habit for you, something that was just natural and normal since you were a little kid. Can you tell me a little bit more about how that habit developed and how that sustained for so long? Sure. You know, I had a, one of my very earliest memories is that I really liked those butterscotch candies that had like the sil the yellow cellophane wrapper. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I really liked those. And I guess I was eating a lot of them. I was probably about five. And my mom had a candy dish out as, you know, good 70s mom will. And she and uh, I kept going back and getting more and getting more. And she's like, that's enough. And then I'd sneak a couple more. And she, so she put it on top of the refrigerator. And so one of my very earliest memories is coming into the kitchen when I knew she was out and sneaking into the kitchen, using the drawers of the kitchen, um, you know, the kitchen drawers as a ladder, climbing onto the counter and to the top of the fridge. Like I was very motivated to get to that sugar. And I think that I was a sugar addict from day one. You know, mm -hmm. I, I believe that I have an extra like sensitive brain to refined carbohydrates in particular. Mm -hmm. um, but because it just, it was very strong and visceral and like it wasn't, it didn't feel optional. <laughs> it mm -hmm. felt like I must have this treat. And so, um, and then I also remember, just like everybody's mom, um, I was at kindergarten, and my mom had, uh, I went to a Catholic school, and so we had these really ugly jumpers, and I did not like it. I remember being even little and being like, oh, this is ugly. It was like blue, green, plaid, white, you know, terrible. And my mom had gotten me a slip because it was also poly, like double knit polyester. 
at the time and it, my, it would chafe my skin and I would get all a, a big rash. And so my mom got me a slip and I didn't know that I didn't know what a slip was. And I, um, to me, it was a much prettier dress. It was a white dress and it twirled way better and it had flowers on it and it was super cute. And so when I got to school, I took off my coat and I remember saying, I have on such a prettier dress under this ugly uniform, I'm going to wear that dress instead. And so I took off my uniform and was twirling around the class in my dress. And for some reason, the sister who was running the kindergarten didn't, didn't like that. And, so, and she actually pulled me to the office and called my mom and my mom was a waitress, was a single mom herself and was a waitress and um, was really a hardworking person. And, and she's like, what's the problem? You know, they're like, you have to come to school. There's a problem with Heather. So she gets to school and she thinks that there's some medical problem or that I got in a fight or, and they're like, she took off her dress and she was twirling around in her slip. And, and my mom was like, oh my goodness, you pulled me out of work for this. And so they said, well, what are you going to do about this? And she said, um, I'm going to take her out for ice cream. That's what I'm going to do. And so she took my hand and she took me out and we had some, because uh, I was crying at that point because I was in the... I was in the principal's office and uh, it was my first uh, run in with the law, you know? <laughs> and so um, she took me out for ice cream and, and, and I think I associated the ice cream and also like special time with my mom and my mom saying, it's okay. Some people are crazy. You know, <laughs> you have to love them anyway. Um, and so, yeah, I think that there was always that. And I just knew, um, you know, I knew that I could numb out, um, numb those emotions. I really do think sometimes we learn pretty young to use food as a drug because when I was focusing all my attention on what it tasted like and how creamy it is and everything, it's really easy to stop thinking about the other things that might be going on in your life. And unfortunately, it's very temporary. So then you need another hit and then you need another, you need another little bit and another little bit. And, and I think I developed a tolerance really early, just like you do with a drug so that it took a little bit more to get me to um, have that same effect. Yeah. And I, and I want to go back to what you said earlier. You, you said you were very motivated to get that candy on top of the fridge. <laughs> and that's one thing I want to highlight there is that, I like to turn things around and see the positive side of it. And I think that a lot of people that end up like binge eaters and, you know, compulsive overeaters, it is because they have high motivation and that motivation is caused by dopamine in our brain. So we actually get dopamine in our brain before we get the food. That's what actually motivates us to like get up off the couch and get into the car and go drive to some fast food restaurant. When other people that don't have that high amount of dopamine for that thing, they haven't developed that reward cycle, you know, that habit cycle. They're just like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of hungry, but nah, 
I'm too lazy, you know, <laughs> so they yeah. don't do that. But people like us, that we have that high motivation and we're like, oh no, you know, it might be 10 o'clock at night, but I- I'm going to get in the car and I'm driving to that place or I'm going <laughs> to climb on top and I'm going to get that, um, that candy. So it does have a lot to do with motivation, but you just hit the nail on the head and saying you already have the potential to have high motivation. How do we flip that switch so that we can use that motivation to get something that you really do want, something that aligns with your long-term goals instead of the short-term pleasure? As we know, that short-term pleasure lets us down eventually, right? We eat it and then we're disappointed because it goes against our long-term goals. So let's go back to your story. So you said by the time you were in your 40s, you were well over 400 pounds. Right. And I started to really have a lot of health consequences at that point. Is that what kind of motivated you to keep trying, even despite the fact that you've had tried before and seemingly failed? What motivated you to keep going, keep going? You know, that's a great question. So I, I, there was a quite a bit of fear with, because my, my health, it's almost like, um, it was time to pay up for all the things that I had done to my body, you know, at all along. And so I, it's, it would, it would be one thing after another, you know, the, the doctor saying your blood pressure has been high the last three times you were here. I'm going to go ahead and put you on some medicine. And it was like, Oh, but I'm pretty young. He's like, Oh, mm, it's pretty high. You know, this is, uh, this is very damaging to all of your organs and your systems. It's not good for you. You're, if it stays this high, you're actually at a risk for a stroke. So I'm like, okay, I'll take the medicine. So then one medicine didn't work. So then we tried another, you know, he kept adding till I was on three different blood pressure medicines mm-hmm. and they made me feel weird. You know, like I would, if I stood up too quickly, I would get dizzy and, um, and I, you know, who likes taking medicine? And then um, I was, uh, my cholesterol was over 400. Mm. My triglycerides were over 400. Before I started going back down um, in weight, my BMI got up to 80. Wow. And just for reference for your audience, a normal BMI is under 25. So at five foot one inches tall, so that's 61 inches my hips and my belly were 90 inches around. So I was like almost 30 inches tall, uh, wider around than I was tall. And you're, there's just like tremendous pressure on my skeleton. And so everything hurt. Just, I was in constant pain, my knees, my back, my feet. I had acne. I had asthma. I had eczema. I had to use a CPAP to sleep at night. And that's really hard to get used to and makes it really inconvenient to travel. And so I just started seeing my world really getting smaller, really shrinking. And at the same time that all of this is going on, I had people who really, really needed me. Like my parents um, both were going through terminal illnesses and I had teenage kids and I was watching them, you know, always, even overweight, even in th- over, th- you know, 300 pounds, I was a pretty active mom. I was always like the mom who helped with, 
the sewing and the costume shop and um, for the plays and we'd go to pumpkin patches and we'd go on hay rides and we'd go, you know, to the Christmas lights and all that kind of stuff. And all that stuff was super important to me. I have a great relationship with both my kids and I started to be like, I can't keep up with them walking through all the Christmas lights. Like they would walk so far ahead of me. They weren't being mean. They just were normal, healthy kids. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I started to be like, it, one day it just hit me. Like they, they are leaving me behind. Like I am, I am not going to be here. I, I am going to be left behind and they are going to be moving on with their lives and I'm not going to be able to be a part of that. And then, you know, I, my parents, I'm, I was pushing my mom and dad around in their wheelchairs in Las Vegas. Um, some of my before pictures, if you look on my Facebook page, they're, they're public or whatever there, you can see how big I was the last time I was in Las Vegas and, just trying to help them and not being able to anymore. You know, my, um, my mom and dad were both in wheelchairs and they both required a lot of care. And, um, I had, I, I had had a lot of success with, um, finally with, a a, ve a vegan diet. Um, I started out with like a raw vegan diet, um, because I had a friend who was doing that and she took me honestly to a restaurant and, uh, I was, <laughs> she was coming down from Seattle. I really wanted to see her, but she said she wanted to go to this restaurant. And I was thinking to myself, that sounds terrible. <laughs> At this point I was eating fast food, like two to three times a day, completely addicted to it. Like I couldn't imagine not having it, you know, and I was spending money I didn't have cause that stuff isn't cheap at the quantity that I was buying. And so I was like, I'll go to this restaurant and I'll visit with her. And then I was planning my binge for after the, um, for after the restaurant, like there was a fast food place nearby. I was just going to hit it on the way home. And, um, so I went there and it's called the blossoming Lotus. It's still in Portland. It's not raw food anymore, but it's still really good vegan food. Um, and it honestly knocked my socks off. Like I was like, Whoa, you know, I was picturing raw meat or raw bread dough. I didn't know anything about a raw food diet. I'm like, that sounds terrible. I have no, you don't cook your food. Like that's the wacky. I have heard some wacky diets, but that seems like extra wacky. And so, um, but they gave us like live, live nachos and, um, wraps and all these, there was just like a sampler platter of all the raw food that they, that they make. And it blew my socks off. Like the flavors, when you don't cook food, the flavors really pop. And this was like, not that healthy. I know now because it had a lot of oil and nuts and, um, a lot of, it was uh, like agave and, and stuff like that, that I don't choose to use now, but it was a darn sight healthier than the fast food that I had been eating. And my friend had taken off 80 pounds and she had looked great and she had recovered her health, um, from a lot of health problems. And I left that restaurant in tears, just thinking, Oh my gosh, this is something I could do. Like, this tastes so good. I, and I, she's telling me I can eat avocados every single day. You know, <laughs> I know always on every diet, they want to take something away from you. Right. You know, so, um, 
the, I was, uh, I had been the last thing I had tried before that was like a low fat thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, um, I was like avocados seriously. And she's like, Oh yeah, they're good for you. And anyway, um, so I went on that and I actually took off 140 pounds and I ate like two avocados a day, (laughs) but I was so heavy. And so I needed so many calories to sustain me that, um, even eating, you know, like this, this gourmet raw vegan food, I was able to take off a lot of weight and I was happy as a clam. It tasted really good. And it probably would have gone on that way, but I ended up having to move in with my mom to take care of her. She was getting like, she was in a wheelchair and she was a double amputee and getting dialysis and on oxygen and she just wasn't doing well. Um, And so she required a lot more care. And so we moved in with her and I used, I'm not saying that that was the catalyst, but I used that as an excuse for why I couldn't stay on my, you know, I'm so busy. It's true. I was still working. I was taking care of her. I still had the kids. Um, so I was like, nobody could expect me to keep up all this raw food prep. Um, takes a lot of prep. You know, you're always buying food, making food, eating food. (laughs) Um, and so, and my mom was my mom was terminal. And so I thought of her as like a make a wish kid. So she gets whatever she wants and you know, all the, what, what kind of treat do you want? Or like, that's how I love people. I love them with food. And so just like my mom loved me with food. Um, and so that meant making like the most tempting cause she had a tiny appetite. She was sick. And so making the most tempting yummy food that I grew up on and then my mom was dying, so I comforted myself the mm-hmm. same way I always had done. And what it took was my mom pulling me aside, and she was, um, she was like, look, I already don't like that I need care. Like, I'm a strong, independent woman. I don't um, – it kills me that you have to take care of me. I love it. I love – you know, I appreciate you, but it's, it really bothers me that I even need this from you, Right. And then I cannot be the reason that you gain all this weight back. Like that's not fair of you to make me the reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need you to get yourself together. I'm not going to be here to take care of you anymore. And I need to know that you're not going to fall apart, that you're going to do this. And so in that moment, you know, we just got really real with each other because when you have a family member that has a serious weight problem, it can be really difficult to talk about it. Um, she wanted to just love me unconditionally and, you know, accept me. And she saw my heart. And to me, I was to her, I was her beautiful daughter, no matter what my size or, um, and so that took a lot of courage for her to have that conversation with me. And I just say like in that moment, the woman who gave me life, also saved my life because um, I don't know that I would be, honestly, it sounds overdramatic, but I don't know that I would still be around because I was a really bad off. Um, I had a lot of health conditions. I, I had things I didn't even know I had yet, you know, that developed later, but were brewing then. And then I that got diagnosed later. And so um, I really, feel like that because what happened in that moment is I took, she took away the option for me to, um, to give up, 
-hmm. Like it became no longer okay. Mm -hmm. So that meant if I fell down, I was going to have to get up and figure out how to, how to make it work again. Like it was no more, you're either on a diet or you're off a diet. It's you're on a plan. And sometimes when we're on a path, we stumble and we fall Mm -hmm. and you can either lay in the dirt and cry and, you know, or just, you don't, if you're halfway to Disneyland and you, and your car breaks down, you don't just say, oh, well, let's just go home. You know, like you fix the car and you move on and you keep going the rest of the way. Or if you were running a marathon and you were at mile 25 and you tripped over your shoelace and fell down. Are you going to say, well, I better head back to the start because <laughs> I'm never going to get there now, you know? Um, it just became less of an option for me to quit. Mm-hmm. And so that was huge for me. Oh, that's such a beautiful story, Heather. And I can see how much your mother has influenced you and is still with you in your heart and when you yeah. talk. But I also hear that you had the motivation of pain as well. So you had been dealing with significant pain and probably also some fear, fear that you could die young, that your kids might be left without you. And so you had some pretty strong motivators. And and I agree, that was just a hiccup that you experienced. And one of the analogies I want to add to that is whenever you miss an exit on the freeway, you don't just keep going for another two hours. You make a U-turn, right? So that's what I try to tell my students is think of it as making a U-turn. You wouldn't like beat yourself up because you accidentally missed a, an exit. That happens all the time to us when we're driving. You just Absolutely. be like, oh, I'm just going to take the next exit and turn around and get back on track. And exactly. I, love, I love how you put that into perspective. What do you think has been one of the biggest lessons that you've learned from these hiccups that you have, the times that, you know, maybe you regained some of the weight and had to start over. What, what do you think was the strongest thing that you took away from those? There were a lot of things. One of the things that I learned is to um, make use of social support. I think that that is a really important thing. There are things that we do in our lives that deplete our willpower. Um, and just through trying to educate myself, I found out a lot of things like, like willpower is a thing that they can measure and that can get depleted and it can also be restored. And there are different things that will help you feel stronger. Um, when, and, and social support is a really huge one for me. And so that's actually, that was actually one of the motivations of starting my channel is to, you know, I thought... Now there's some accountability because if I have to go on the internet and say what I weigh every week, I'm dang sure going to make sure that I, you know, that I stay on my plan as faithfully as I can. Um, so that was, that is a lot of uh, what, why I did that to have that accountability both for myself, but also to just be like, no secrets. Like this is the, when I started my channel, I was, I had taken off about 75 pounds, but I was still 360 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a long way to go. And I'm like, Hey, here I am 360 pounds. Follow me, watch me shrink, you know, hopefully. And that was such a leap of faith in myself because always before I could. So I was getting close to that hundred pound mark, which was usually where I had messed up before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to mess up. I'm going to double down. Like 
this, this is happening. Yes. <laughs> I just, uh, I wanted to make it really hard to fail. Yeah, no, I love that. And it's evidence-based. I love evidence-based things, but they've done studies to show that social support and accountability is a big motivator for some people. Not everybody has different motivations, but that seemed to work really well for you. So how long ago did you start the channel? Um, I'm, it was about two, it was March of 2015. Mm-hmm. So right about two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't seem like that. It seems like it was just, you know, yesterday, but, um, and at that time I was still trying to do a raw food diet because you kind of, it's almost like when your computer crashes, you go back to the last setting that you knew worked or whatever. I'm like, okay, well this last time I was a raw vegan and I took off 140 pounds, I'll be raw vegan again. And then it just became like, uh, I want to be, well, what is the healthiest way of being vegan? And mm-hmm. so then that required like some more research. And that's how I found Chef AJ's program. And I believe that the reason that that has worked for me so well and has gotten me the other, um, gotten me all the way to the finish line this time is I made the choice along the way to completely abstain from sugar and flour. Mm-hmm. Um, that Those were huge for me. Sugar, flour, oil. Oil is just to me, a stupid food, it's bad for you and it's high calorie and it doesn't taste good. Like if something has 120 calories in a tablespoon, it should taste like the most magnificent, you know, chocolate brownie ice cream. I don't know, but it's like, you don't even taste good and you're, I'm going to waste all my calories. No. So (laughs) I've always felt like that as soon as I knew that oil was so calorically dense and it brought so little nutrition to the table. Like it has so little going for it. And, um, I believe, you know, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn says it damages your epithelial cells. It makes you, um, sick. And so why would I do that to myself? You know? Mm-hmm. So gonna, you, you kept learning and you kept optimizing, yes. which I think is also important is that you keep your head in the game. You keep yes. immersing yourself in information that helps you reach your goal. And the other thing I want to emphasize to everybody listening is that you haven't lost 300 pounds in just like a couple of months, right? No. And it took, it took all that time. Like I had take, um, remember the first 140 was probably 2010. Um, and then, and then I put some back on. So, you know, I always, there are people that are like, Oh, I didn't know that this, you know, standard American diet was so bad for you. Now that I've learned about a vegan diet, I'm, you know, they, they go on a vegan diet, they lose all their weight and they stay on it. There are people like that and God bless them, but I am not one of them. Like I had a very hard time translating the knowledge. I, you know, I have, like I said, I've been on diet since I was 11. I knew a lot about nutrition. I could quote you the fat grams or the calories or the, you know, the, the carbs in, in almost any food. I knew how many points it was. I knew, you know, I um, had a lot of knowledge and a, and a terrible ability to apply it because um, I really believe that there's, you know, three major factors in taking off weight, which is, um, I think I stole this from Pam Popper, but it's um, mind, 
mouth and movement. Um, and to me, the mind is so much more um, the most important thing. Uh, we used to a lot, you know, Dr. McDougall says it's the food and it is the food. But in order to stay on the food, you have to get your mindset right. Absolutely. And that is what I admire so much about you. Hearing you talk is you, you have unlocked the secret to the mindset. And, you know, I think that it, it does take time and it takes patience to work on that um, factor. Um, what do you think has been the most difficult obstacle to overcome in staying on the path? Obviously, this has taken many years. And just emphasize for some people, stuff like this doesn't happen overnight. And it's not easy the whole time, right? I mean, maybe no. sometimes it feels easier than others, but sometimes you may want to give up and go back to the food. So what do you think has been the most difficult thing that you've had to overcome during these past few years in staying on track? Sure. So I think that the most difficult thing is... Um, listening to you can call it the saboteur you can call it you know the voice that only wants what's important to you right now you know um that that has been the hardest thing for me so basically you we all tell ourselves little lies <laughs> or little excuses when we're on the path so you could say um i for instance i would have I would do really well if I was planning ahead of time. So I would plan out my food. I would prepare my food. I would have it ready. And then I would eat when, you know, when I was expecting to eat and everything would be fine and I would be able to be happy and stay on the plan. But when I would do poorly would be when I would encounter a food that I was trying not to eat. If you even could call it food, you know, some pretty bad food, right? Um, like in my break room or something at work where I wasn't expecting to find it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have, you know, the strong impulse to, to, to have this. And so one of two things would happen either. So that, that kind of what I call rumination, I mean, like, should I have it? Should I not have it? Well, if I just have it this one time, and then I get right back on plan, then that it probably won't. And when am I weighing in again? You know, so you start to have that bargaining in your mind and stuff. I've learned to just shut that down. <laughs> just like, nope. Um, and so one of the, I, I have a little rules that I've made up for myself that I think of as like, you wouldn't put a baby on a bed without any slats you know, like crib slats to, they're there to hold them in, to keep them from rolling off and, and, um, and getting hurt. And I think of the rules that I have for myself, not as, um, like ways to be more restricted or anything like that, but just as a safety net to make me feel safe. Um, yes. to keep, mm -hmm. yes. and so one and of my rules is if you didn't plan to eat it ahead of time, then you won't be eating it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So that way, if you, you're encountered with something that you weren't planning to eat, you didn't plan to eat, because um, that was a big trigger for me, like mm -hmm. a party or we brought, I brought cake or, you know, I'm trying to, I don't want to trigger anybody by mentioning certain foods, but 
something would show up in the environment that I hadn't planned for. And then that would start that, should I, shouldn't I? And I, now I'm able to say, no, you should not. That yeah. And, and that kind of stuff happens like all the time, right? I mean, like yep. in, in our country, that's like pretty much every day, I think, especially if you work with other people. Um, and, you know, I, I love that about making the decision beforehand because it yes. doesn't apply just to food. I like, I like people to try to take these skills and apply them to whatever goal they're trying to reach. So maybe um, somebody is struggling with procrastination. Yes. And they know that they get to a certain time of the day and they're like, um, you know, maybe if I just, you know, I can do it tomorrow. It'll still be on time. But you make the decision ahead of time. Nope, I'm going to finish this project. I'm going to work on it for two hours and that's what I'm going to do. You do not give yourself another option. And the yes. most important thing I think is whenever you made that decision for yourself ahead of time, how did you feel inside your brain and inside your body? Was it a struggle or did it feel more calm? Well, you know, a lot of times you um, make the decision when you're feeling strong and you're like, oh, I'm going to get up early and I'm going to go to the gym and, it, you know, and it's like all the good intentions, right? And stuff like that. Um, it was really important to me to keep my integrity because one of the things that happens when you – when you cheat on a diet, you're really cheating on yourself, right? Because I'm cheating myself out of the long-term good that I'm trying to get out of it. And so it was really important to me that if I made a commitment, I absolutely followed through on it. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So when I was 436 pounds, and like I said, you know, I was bigger around than I was tall, it really was physically painful to even walk around the block. Like I had asthma, I would, it was, it wasn't pretty. Okay. And so I, I made myself do that at the time. I didn't know, like I should be focusing more on the food than the exercise, but that was one of the things I decided to do. And I would have a little thing that I would say to myself, which is exercise is not optional. And I also would say like, you don't have to like it. You just have to do it. <laughs> and I say that to myself a lot, you know, a lot. And now, now I'm a little kinder to myself. I'm more like my own health coach. I'll be like, you know, like, oh, I'm hungry. I don't know if I can wait till I can get home. I'm like, I'm like, hang on, honey. I know you're hungry, but we're going to be home soon. And we made that great quinoa salad. It's going to taste delicious. You don't want to ruin it by how you've done so great on your plan. Just hang on a little bit more. You know, um, my self-talk has gotten a lot kinder and, and more loving. Um, 
So it was really important to me to keep that commitment to myself because every time you say you're going to do something, you know, I was in a situation where I'd start out in the morning eating like organic oatmeal with organic raspberries, you know, and I'm going to be perfect on my plan today and end up in the fast food line by evening. And Mm -hmm. when I would do that, I would feel devastated because I would be like, I'm never going to be able to stop this. I can't believe I screwed up again. Again, that mean Mm self-talk. Look, if being mean to yourself and chewing yourself out and like saying horrible things um, would make us skinny, we would all be like walking around at goal weight, right? Like that it doesn't work. It Mm -hmm. doesn't work and it makes you feel terrible. So the thing that um, I had to do was I took away, I'm like, ask yourself a better question instead of why am I such an idiot? Why did I, why did I do that again? You know, why did I do that? How many people have not said that, right? When they're, you're like looking at the empty ice cream carton and going, I can't believe I ate all that or the empty pizza thing or the empty, whatever it is. Right. Um, we ask ourselves that question and then your brain's going to be like, well, cause you have no willpower and cause you mess up every time and you're probably going to mess up again because this is your pattern. And, and so I invite people to ask a better question, which is how can I never do that again? I'm feeling really bad about myself in this moment. I don't want to repeat this. I am an intelligent person. What can I do to make sure that this never happens again? Mm-hmm. So what I had to do, and your, re- your listeners are probably going to be like, wow, she was pretty crazy. I had to literally leave home all my money. So I would go to work. I would make sure that my tank of gas was full and that hopefully I had AAA and everything, you know, it was a little bit, it's a little bit scary to go out without a dollar, you know, um, but I would be prepared and have all my food with me that was ready for the day. And I would take away the means to cheat because fast food places are nice, but they won't give you the food for free, right? Or you can't go to 7-Eleven or whatever. They won't do it. So um, that's what I did, you know, and then that built confidence. Like I finally got through a day, like I was that addicted. I feel like I was very physically addicted as well as very psychologically addicted. But when I could finally get through a day, I was like, victory. I got all the way home without oh. having this. And then I'm like, I'm just going to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to bed right away because I don't want to wreck this. I'm afraid if I stay up, I might get into something. And so um, I got a few days under my belt, you know, and that allowed me to, to have more confidence and to start to believe myself because you have to you have to build back up that integrity with yourself. You have mm-hmm. to be able to look yourself in the eye and say, yes, I am going to the gym or yes, I am going to eat, you know, only health promoting food. Um, And you have to be able to believe yourself. Mm -hmm. And so it's Dr. Lyle kind of talks about the internal audience. Mm -hmm. They, I had a tough audience. Like they didn't, they're like, "Mm, we know you, the thing Mm -hmm. is, and we know you're going to mess up here pretty soon. You're about due Mm -hmm. for mess up. And I Mm -hmm. had to be like, watch me. Yeah. You know, Oh, no, that's beautiful. And I really love how you reminded me about using the compassionate voice. That's very, very important because a lot of women especially have a harsh critic. And whenever we beat ourselves down, it only makes us more likely 
to fall back on those habits that are going against our goals. It, it just makes everything worse, you know? So using that compassionate voice. And I think also for you being authentic and vulnerable today and sharing this with all of us helps too, because I think a lot of people feel like they're alone, that they make some of these decisions and nobody else does it when so many people do it. And also, I love how determined you've been. I mean, leaving your money at home. You are very <laughs> creative. You know, that's such a creative thought. I don't think I would have thought of that, you know? Um, so I, I just see the strength and determination you have to be a constructive problem solver, you know? Like you just took this, you're like, okay, I keep failing. How can I look at this constructively and solve this problem? Or what can I at least try next and see what works? So you're, I mean, you're just brilliant. I love you, Heather. Well, let me ask you, what habit are you most proud of that you currently have? How did you develop it and how do you maintain it? I am most proud of the fact that I, um, it sounds cheesy, but that I eat a lot of vegetables. <laughs> I eat um, a lot of vegetables and I have designed my diet more to be about what is the most health promoting diet instead of what do I feel like today? I remember when I used to eat a conventional diet and, and it was always, what should we have? Should we have you know, and it was like, should we have pizza or should we have burgers or should we have Italian or should we have Mexican? But it was always like, um, what is my appetite want? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you wouldn't ask your car, Hey, would you prefer Chevron or do you want Exxon? You know, <laughs> like, do you have a strong preference? What do you, do you feel like a little mobile tonight? You know? Um, <laughs> so looking at food as fuel instead of food as fun. Before food was my fun and it was like a bad boyfriend. Like it hurt me over and over, but I kept going back to it, you know, and we had to break up. Like <laughs> I had to break up with the, with the destructive stuff that, that I was eating. And when I chose my, you know, uh, I'm building, I feel like I'm investing in my health now and I'm building my future body that I want to live in for the rest of my life. And I want to build it out of like the best organic, healthy food. You know, I want to, uh, I want to drive a Maserati into my nineties, right? I'm no more Pinto. So, <laughs> um, so I, I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat a lot of raw vegetables and also steamed vegetables um, I eat beans and greens. Um, I go by, I have a couple of nutritional um, uh, guidelines that I follow. One of them is I like Dr. Furman's G-bombs because it's really easy to remember and it covers a lot of stuff, which is greens, beans, onions and garlic, mushrooms, berries, and seeds and nuts. Um, but that pretty much you know, and, and the beans, of course, they mean legumes and bean, not just, yeah. Um, and I also like uh, Dr. Greger's Daily Dozen, you know, so then I added in, well, let's make a lot of it cruciferous vegetables and let's get our spices and I'll have some amla powder. You know, it feels like um, I'm focusing now on the positive instead of 
what do I feel deprived of or what do I need to cut out? Because isn't that what most diets are? Cut out sugar, cut out fast food, cut out, you know, cut out, cut out, cut out. Instead of focusing on that, what do I want to get more of? Well, mm -hmm. I want to get more greens in because mm -hmm. greens cut your cravings for sugar. They're like the highest nutrient density and highest minerals and phytonutrients, a lot of protein in them. I had no idea. Crazy. Um, so I want to get a lot of greens. I want to get a lot of beans because I want the beta glucan. So, you know, um, I want the phytates. I want all these. Uh, I want to lower my cholesterol naturally way better than any statin could do or mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it's looking, uh, doing research and finding out what's, what's good in food. How can we use food as medicine? Mm -hmm. what, uh, what should, uh, and then using, um, concentrating more on getting more good stuff in and just letting the bad stuff fall away because you're, when your tummy is full of veggies and salad and, and some really yummy beans and whole grains and um, things like that, you're not craving when uh, you're not craving that junk. You know, mm -hmm. it, once it gets out of your system, I always say I can stay off sugar as long as I stay off sugar. Mm -hmm. Because if I even get a little bit of it, Bammo dopamine, you know, lights up like a pinball machine in my brain. Um, <laughs> um, and it will make it really hard. Like if I accidentally get sugar because something, oh, I had a, I tried a commercial salsa and the darn thing had like corn syrup in it. I should have checked the label, but I did, you know, who expects corn syrup in their salt? Come on, keep your corn syrup out of my salsa. But anyway, um, then I noticed that I craved it again for a few days. Um, something weird. I had surgery for uh, an unrelated thing like back in August and uh, the anesthesia because it's kind of like alcohol. I don't, I, I don't know. Somebody told me it's very similar in chemical structure to alcohol. Uh, a couple days after I had anesthesia, I was like looking at fast food places and not eating it. I never went back and ate it, but I was like, Hmm, that's a thing that I used to enjoy that I hadn't thought about for mm -hmm. so long, you know? And so I wonder if there is something to it, like the, that's, that's a physical thing that lowers your resistance, like mm -hmm. maybe takes away, makes you have less impulse control, something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. No. And I love how you emphasize focusing on what you do want to put into your yes. body instead of over-focusing on what you don't want in there or what you can't have or something like that. Because I think that's what people automatically think of is like, they go to deprivation mode and think, oh, right. I really want this. Instead of focusing on, okay, how can I get more greens? How can I get more beans? How can I add those things to my body that give me the fiber and the antioxidants? And then I also want to clarify, I totally agree with using food as fuel and not fun. However, you are not miserable and you no. do enjoy your food, right? So you're not just sitting around Absolutely. eating like, you know, cardboard, like a rabbit or something like that. You do enjoy the food you eat. Oh, absolutely. So that was kind of there. A little miracle happened when I, um, I joined Chef AJ's program. And one of the things she says is she emphasizes like, do it as designed for one month. Like you paid for this program you know, I know you came from some backgrounds where you learned some other things, but just try this and try it the way I teach it for one month. What do you have to lose? Like you can always, it's an experiment. You can always try something else. And so I was really faithful. Like I didn't have any salt and I didn't have any oil and I, you know, was eating, um, 
lots of vegetables. She eats, she encourages us to eat a lot of vegetables for breakfast. And I was eating steamed vegetables and sequencing my meals, doing all the things that she encourages us to do. And being very honest when I very first started, because I, uh, it was very different than even the raw food because I was eating a lot more like agave and nuts and, um, things that were really hyper palatable, still using salt, like Himalayan sea salt, you know, but <laughs> salt. Um, so the food didn't taste good to me. I'm just being very honest. I'm like, but I used that same thing that I had used with my walking. Like you don't have to like it. You just have to do it. And, um, I also was like, you know what? I'm serious about this. Like I'm doing it. It's not optional I'm doing it. Okay. So something happened probably around three, four days in where I stopped wanting sugar. Like it was, I stopped like thinking about it. And, um, that to me, was a miracle right there. That was like my little Christmas miracle because I had been obsessed with food. Like I, ha I had had a serious problem of if I wasn't like actively eating food, even while I was eating food, I was thinking, what am I going to eat next? Or, mm -hmm you know, I'm going to go this place for lunch and I'm going to order that. And then the, you know, what goes good with that is this thing. And so just constantly, um, either making food, obtaining food, eating food, thinking about food that was, um, and really feeling bad about that. I mean, for, for good reason too, because I had a lot of other priorities in my life. I didn't have any desire to just be like consumed by food. Mm -hmm. Like you're mm -hmm. supposed to consume food. It's not supposed to consume you. Mm -hmm. um, and so about three or four days in that left. And, and I, and I realized like I got all the way to dinner time. I'm like, Oh, I'm kind of hungry. <gasps> I haven't like thought about what I'm going to, you know, eat or like ruminated about it all day. You know, I just have like, I had my food and there it was and it was good. Um, and it started to taste better. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm making it better. You know, maybe something's, um, and then I was telling the kids, I remember coming up to my son with a fork full of cauliflower, taste this cauliflower. This is the best cauliflower. I have never had cauliflower this good, you know, and my son going, my son tasting it and going, it's fine. It tastes like cauliflower to me. I like cauliflower. It's nothing. So I'm like, no, this is like super cauliflower. It's because my taste had changed, you know? And then all of a sudden everything started to taste really good to me. Like I, yes, I love my food. Um, and it's, and it, like, it is kind of a miracle. Like, uh, people, people think, cause I'll say I eat salad for breakfast and, um, they'll be like, so you, that's the salad that you eat for breakfast? Well, what do you put on it? And I'm like, oh, so much good stuff. Hummus and uh, salsa. And I really like beets. And I like, you know, and I'm saying the things that I put on it and they're thinking, hey, you know, it <laughs> doesn't really sound like, they're like, I'm just going to stick with my lucky charms. So, yeah. <laughs> but to me, it's, you know, it tastes fantastic. And um, you do learn how to make it taste a lot better. And that's one of the fun things that I've, that I've enjoyed doing is, you know, how, 
how can I make this super healthy food taste good? And it really does taste good. The thing is that all of the stuff that we had before hijacked our palate. Like Mm -hmm. it's supposed to taste good to us. Mm -hmm. It's like people cheated you out of loving your broccoli or whatever, you know, they, they gave you this hyper palatable food that like the salt numbed your tongue and the oil coated your tongue and they gave you so much sugar that you just got more used to more and more and more sugar and if you didn't taste it then it didn't taste good to you and they even put sugar in things like the beef in burgers Mm -hmm. like they put sugar in that they put sugar in your bun you know on the it's crazy it's just in literally everything and to the point that we need more and more of it to get that little woo that we get from it. And so when you are off of that and you're off of like really the influence of all those drugs, it's, they're kind of trying to drug you, right? Like they're trying to, that's, it's not kind of, they're scientists that sit in a room and they say, okay, when we gave them this, they ate half a bag of chips. But if we put this much salt, they'll eat the whole bag of chips. You know, it's like they're doing experiments. They're trying to make the food super palatable. So we'll keep coming back for it. And when you're out from under the influence of that, I love, you know, there's a book called The Pleasure Trap. And when you're out of the pleasure trap, you really are free. Like I can look at other people eating things that I used to pine for. And honestly, I kind of feel sorry for them. I mean, not in a condescending way, but the same way I I almost get the same feeling as I do when I see somebody smoking a cigarette. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm so sorry that they that they have to do that because I know they would probably like to not be doing that kind of thing. And I think the same thing when I see somebody eating like a fast food meal, I don't say, gee, I want me some of that any, any more. I'm three years into this though, you know, so it took a long, I don't want people to get discouraged if they're like, I still look at that fast food meal and wish I could have it. I went through that. Like I went through a major like mourning period where um, I used to literally say to myself, like nobody liked that food more than me. Like I loved it. Like I was obsessed with it and it's so wrong that they can have it and they don't get fat and I can't have it. You know, I, I went through that. And um, I think, I really think it's important to honor your feelings and to like let all that stuff out. You can listen to your feelings, but they can't like drive your decision. Yeah. No, I think I, I, I'm glad you said that because those emotional responses to food are real. And a lot of people go through that and it's so painful for them that they have trouble staying on track because they do feel like there's nothing more exciting in my life than food. There's right. nothing more exciting in my life than going home at the end of the night after everybody's asleep and getting up and having my ice cream, my whole tub of ice cream to myself. And whenever you make the choice to let go of that, there can be some grieving with that because now you have to soothe yourself with something other than that friend you had, the quote friend, because really it's a friend of me, right? Like you think it's a friend, but it ends up hurting you. And then the other thing I want to highlight is you, you had four decades that you had been exposed to these hyper palatable foods and you were able to neuroadapt. I grew up total. I mean, I ate 
standard American diet when I was a kid. I basically sugary cereal with tons of milk. I mean, like, you know, I grew up on all that stuff, frozen burritos, really high fat foods, and I was able to neuroadapt. So no matter how long you've been exposed to these foods, there's a possibility that you can also neuroadapt. And it's very possible because it happens all the time. And so you are able to get off. But just like Heather, it's about being patient and being creative and staying on track to give your brain the time to get used to these real foods, the natural foods. Yes. Heather, and what's been the most surprising thing that you've encountered on this, on this journey? Hmm. Oh my gosh. There have been a lot of surprises, but I guess I'm just going to say, cause it relates to kind of what we were saying before, you know, like I said, I don't think there was anybody that could be more like addicted to all the things that you, like I would have liked to have a rack of ribs in one hand and a, like a pint of Haagen-Dazs in the other, or, you know, like <laughs> I was really, really, um, addicted to, um, the standard American diet, you know, and, and I was, so what I, I guess what I would say for the surprise is there's nobody that's too far gone. Mm-hmm. Like, I really want to say this, especially like to health professionals, because I'm sure when I waddled into their office, like at an 80 BMI with all these comorbidities, which, you know, that means you're going to die. Like I was going to die of five different things. Right. <laughs> so, um, when I came into their office, I'm sure they're just like, there's what can we do to help her or you know like um i i feel like that like that like i thought myself to be beyond reach i remember thinking when i was when i was so heavy like well you've really done it now like you're never going to be able to you got to get 300 pounds off if you have to get a pound off like like you are you did it now like you're in Mm-hmm. And, and also I have no earthly idea. I know how to get on a diet. I know how to be on a diet. I don't know how to stay on a diet. I don't know how to, when my brain starts telling me, go ahead and have it. I don't know how to tell her no, mm-hmm. you know, at the time I was, and so I just want to tell people, you are not beyond hope. If you are still looking down at the dirt, instead of looking up at it, there is hope for you. You definitely can, you can do this. You can take, you can take the weight off. If you still have breath in your lungs, that means that you still have an obligation to try. And that is because we don't belong to ourselves, right? You know, Dr. Yami, like we belong to all the people who love us too. When, when, um, my, unfortunately my dad, you know, developed MS and, um, he ended up passing away from his illness. Like the, the lifestyle choices that we make don't only affect us, right? Especially my kids had to grow up with a really huge, embarrassing mother. Like, um, when my poor daughter, my daughter was in high school and she saw, um, somebody had taken a picture of me, not knowing it was me, at a laundromat. Our washing machine had broken. So I was at a laundromat and I was doing, our, um, our laundry, you know, like waiting for the washing machine to get fixed. And one of her friends had like taken a picture of the circus freak lady at the, at the laundromat. And she had like made photocopies and was putting them up Hmm. around and like showing people. And my daughter had to be like, that is my mom. 
and she is an amazing person. Like my kids are so cool, but they're like, she is an amazing person and she does not need this crap. Like she's just at a laundromat trying to get her life, you know, <laughs> like do life, like take that down. But my poor kid had to go through that, you know, because of choices I made. And I don't say that to make people feel bad, but I just want them to think like you might feel like it's a victimless crime, like you're only hurting yourself. But if anybody who's lost a parent to a lifestyle disease or, you know, lost a grandma or grandpa that was so precious to them, it, our choices affect other people, right? And so it, I'm not saying that it's your fault. I'm just saying you can't give up. You've got to keep trying. You've got to like get more help, reach out to people. There is help available. You don't have to do it alone. There's lots of people who want to help you. Um, and other people have done it. Like I know um, uh, one of the first people I knew that had taken off 300 pounds, uh, she calls herself Kitten the Juice Pirate. <laughs> but anyway, she, was, she also took it off with a, with a vegan diet and she really, she likes juicing. So that's why she's the Juice Pirate or whatever. But listen to these stories of the people that have um, done what you're trying to do, find out how they did it and find out like, I feel like a new person. I feel like I was almost came back from the dead because I can't believe how well, like things people take for granted. I didn't sleep for five years. I know that sounds funny because of course I had like a little naps, but I was so heavy that whenever I would lay in one position for like more than an hour, I would start to get like a, almost like a pressure sore, you know, like there would be too much pressure in one spot. And so then I would have pain and then it would wake me up and then I'd have to roll under my back and then roll under my other side and keep rolling around. And I felt like a chicken on a rotisserie, mm. like all night long. I never could get a deep sleep. And between that and the sleep apnea, like wake, making me stop breathing while I was asleep. So I just was constantly exhausted. Um, and I was in so much pain during the day. At one point I had to walk with two canes, like arm, arm crutches, just because I couldn't hold up my own, um, body weight like that. So if somebody like me who was so far gone can do this and can love it, I can, you know, I promise you that Yes, you're going to give something up because I'm not going to lie to people. Yes, you, sometimes sometimes I look at stuff and I think I would like to have that. You know, I wish I could have that. But would I ever trade it for what I've gotten? You know, um, now I walk like five, six miles a day. Um, I used to not be able to walk 50 feet. My cholesterol, um, our family actually has had the genetic test and we do have, you know, the genetically high cholesterol. It's called familiar hyperlipidemia, cholesterolemia, like we have that gene. Even with that, I have my cholesterol, my total cholesterol is under 180 and still dropping. Um, I have, I don't take any medicine anymore, you know, down from three blood pressure medicines and it was still high. Um, and I just feel amazing. Like every day feels like a gift. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, nothing hurts no migraine, no shoulder pain, no back pain, no knee pain, no foot pain, you know, um, that's amazing. That's amazing. And my mood and my depression and everything, and I'm so much of a better mom than I was. 
So there's the trade-off, like, would I trade that for a fun size, whatever, like, why are those fun size? What's so fun about a small? I don't know. But anyway, would I trade that for that? No, you know, absolutely not. Like there's no comparison to the life I get to live now and the people I've gotten to meet and the yummy food I get to have. And there's, there's life after the, 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 the food that you're addicted to. Heather, you are such a beacon of hope and you made me tear up um, talking about that. But you know, I want to emphasize that again, it's never too late Absolutely. and don't ever give up because you've stumbled, you've fallen on your face yep. and you get back up. That's the only reason you're here at 300 yep. plus pounds lost. It's because you didn't just give up and go back the other direction. You got up, dusted yourself off, you did some problem solving and you kept going and you kept going and you kept going. And I, I'm kind of in love with you, Heather. You're just amazing. <laughs> right you really are. You're amazing. So let's talk real quick as you wrap it up about your YouTube channel. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You post every single day, it looks like, huh? At yeah, least during now the week. I do. Now so tell I do. us so. what you do on there, what you talk about, and how people can get in touch with you and connect with you if they want to learn more about you. So... Um, I used to just mostly post on Wednesday and I have weighed in every Wednesday for like the last several years. So you can go on there and see me, you know, 360 pounds down to where I am now. Um, but right around, I knew that Halloween was coming and the holidays had always been my downfall because I really loved sugar and it would just like, I felt like, um, it would wear on me. Like, so we'd start with Halloween and it's try to stay strong, but it starts way before Halloween, right? Like people have had candy on their desk and stuff like that for a long time. So it'd wear me down. And then last year I had a pretty bad um, relapse where I did put back on 60 pounds. I've since taken it off and took off some friends with it, but um, I, I had a pretty bad one, you know, where like, it, like, dang it, it got me, like it got me. And then it was really hard to get back on track, but I doubled down and I did it, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, it's really important not to get cocky, like, cause I had taken off 200 pounds by that time. So I, you might've thought I knew what I was doing, you know? Um, and I did, but it still got me like, it's an insidious little, thing that can grab you if you're, if you're not looking. And so I knew that the holidays were coming again. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to keep my head in the game. I'm going to stay motivated every single day. I really believe that um, what Zig Ziglar said, somebody said, I have this problem that I get motivated, but then it fades, you know, or I need, I, I don't, I, it doesn't stay with me. And he's like, Oh, he says it doesn't last. He goes, well, neither does washing and you do that every day. So you have to get, you have to get motivated every day. So every day I try to stay motivated by, um, I read an inspiring book or I watch a YouTube channel or, you know, of somebody that's uh, one of our plant-based doctors or, um, I participate, I participate in online forums where I both give support and help people with their problems and then they help me you know um all of those things are super important keep your head in the game all the time because we're fighting a pretty sneaky enemy right like because it's us <laughs> and we're fighting our own our own brains so we're fighting to keep 
there's two sides to your brain. There's a side that wants what it wants immediately, like wants immediate gratification. And then there's another side that I call kind of like my parent brain that has my long-term best interest at heart. And I want to keep that side decision-making and um, knowing that both sides are for my highest good, right? Like even my impulsy brain was like, hey, she would really like that. That would make her feel better right now. She's not mm -hmm. feeling good. Let's make her feel better. Or her blood sugar's a little low. You know what would bring it up really fast would be this food, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think it's for your own best interest, but you don't want to have that part driving the train. And I think that's where, I think that's who drives most people's train. So being able to switch and you can switch by asking yourself like better questions, like what would be the best strategy for me to get through these next, you know, several holidays in the United States, we've got Halloween, which is just like a sugar orgy, right? And then we've got um, all kinds of tailgaters and football related things. And then we got Thanksgiving and then the holiday parties start and it's a lot of stress and it's a lot of financial strain and it's a lot of like travel that we're not used to. And so it can really like take you out, right? Even if you're really strong with your plan the rest of the year. So knowing that that was coming up, um, I decided, you know what? I'm going to post every day. I'm going to like keep my head in the game, post every day. So on Mondays, it's motivation Monday. I talk about what's motivating me. I try to give people words that might motivate them on Tuesdays. It's just like practical advice. I call it tips and tricks. Just like, how do we do this vegan thing? Because there's a, there's a big learning curve when you're first learning how to have a plant-based diet. Wednesdays have always been like um, weigh-in Wednesday for me. And I've lately been doing like what I eat in a day because people are curious. Mm -hmm. um, Thursday is my favorite day. I wish it got a little bit more uh, comments and stuff, but it's just, that's the day when I talk about what I actually changed, like what thoughts are serving me well and, and why they serve me now and what to do if you find yourself like, Hmm, should I have that thing? Or, um, what do I do when I go to aunt Marge's house and she has my very favorite cookies and she made them just for me because she wanted she knows I like them, you know, like how am I going to handle that and stuff like that. So we talk about that kind of stuff. And then on Friday, I like to, um, I call it foodie Friday and I like to just share some recipe that people might be able to, to try and, and have fun with. And so by doing that, by make it's, it's, it's just a small part of my day, but it really helps me stay focused. And then I find that, um, the interaction that I get from, people writing in and, and just watching my channel and just being so lovely and supportive. Um, it has, it has really helped me a lot. Like anything I give out, I've gotten back like 10 times. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, thank you so much for contributing so much and giving so much of yourself to others. Cause I know it's helping a lot of people. And you said you have a Facebook group as well. Can people connect with you there? Absolutely. It's called, um, I still left it with the, cause when I first started, I was a raw foodie and I had a lot of friends in the raw food vegan community. And so it's, it's also called the butterfly effect. Um, but it's raw and plant-based. Um, and really we welcome anybody who's on, uh, who's trying to eat a plant-based diet, even if they're like still learning or they're not quite there yet. 
we totally welcome them. So it's, it's a good place to go. And uh, I have a very simple philosophy, be nice or be gone. Like I want it to be a drama free corner of Facebook. And so um, we don't do any sales. We don't do, you know, we don't do any drama and people who can't like be civil and kind to each other just can find another group. Cause there's, there's lots of places where you can argue with people, you know, <laughs> on Facebook, but I want this to not, I just want it to be a loving and kind and accepting place. Um, and that's really super important to me because I feel like that's, that's what's going to help us the most. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you a hundred percent. And your YouTube channel is called the butterfly effect plant-based weight loss. Yes. I said it right that time. Yes. So Heather, Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I just love hearing from you. You have so much experience and wisdom that you've learned in these past few years and throughout your life. And I really appreciate you sharing that with my listeners. Please check Heather out on her YouTube channel, The Butterfly Effect Plant-Based Weight Loss, or on Facebook, The Butterfly Effect, what was it, Raw and... Raw and plant-based. Raw yeah. and plant-based. Awesome. Thank you, Heather, for being on today. I hope you have a plantastic day. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website, at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rocketsurgeonsmusic. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at facebook.com forward slash veggiefitkids or you can email me at veggiedoctor, V-E-G-G-I-E-D-O-C-T-O-R at veggiefitkids.com. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. We're having broccoli. Credit Card Bill.